Hello everyone, my name is Lucia Chachulovic and today is Wednesday, the 1st of March 2023. Joining me today are Dario Messi with an update on fixed income and Richard Tang on China. But before I hand over to my guests, let's wrap up what has happened in the markets. Starting with Asia today, where China's Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index climbed last month to its highest reading since April 2012, showing that the world's second largest economy is rebounding strongly after COVID restrictions were lifted. This sent positive signals to the whole market. Stocks and currencies rallied in Asia, while futures in the US and Europe paired losses and are now trading in the green. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng China Enterprises Index jumped more than 4%, helped by tech and property stocks, and rebounding after a loss of more than 11% in February. Commodity currencies rose, with the Australian dollar rebounding from a loss, while the offshore yuan strengthened by more than 0.6%. A gauge of US dollar strength fell and Treasury yields edged higher. Yields on Australian and New Zealand government bonds slipped. In Europe, bond yields rose yesterday after hot inflation data caused a reassessment of rate expectations. Market participants now see the European Central Bank raising rates through February 2024 with a 4% ECB terminal rate fully priced in. Elsewhere, US stocks ended February with losses. The Dow Jones led the declines, closing the month down 4.2%. The S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite shed 2.6% and 1.1% respectively. February's slide dragged the Dow Jones into negative territory for the year, while the other two indices are still holding on to their gains. The decline in February marked a reversal from January's rally. In commodity-related news, oil prices are up this morning as hopes for a strong rebound in China offset worries about U.S. interest rate hikes dragging down consumption in the U.S. Gold is also up this morning despite the fear of rate hikes in the market. Some say that the recent lows may have been seen as a buying opportunity by other investors. Finally, in corporate news, at a Goldman Sachs Investor Day, top executives offered a glossy portrait of the company's strengths, insisting it can continue to deliver predictable profits for years to come. But a lack of ambitious new targets and mixed messages about what's next for its troubled consumer business underwhelmed the market and sent shares down nearly 4%. Today, it is Tesla's turn to host an Investor Day. So what else can we expect for the day ahead? In the US, investors will be watching out for the US construction spending and ISM manufacturing data. And in Europe, we will receive Italy's manufacturing PMI and GDP, as well as Germany's CPI numbers. And as mentioned earlier, futures in Europe and the US are currently trading in the green. And that's already it for the market summary. Now over to fixed income markets and you, Dario. Yesterday, we heard from David Cole, our chief economist, about our new growth forecasts and resulting outlook for monetary policy. I guess the incoming economic data that we discussed in yesterday's episode is also having an impact on the bond market as a whole. Uh, yes, good morning, uh, Lucia. And yes, certainly. And this is very evident if we just look, uh, for example, at the yield curve. So the yields for US government bonds uh, across various maturities. Uh, If you look there, there was quite a move up uh, following the recent incoming data, given this kind of upbeat picture on the state of the US economy. Um, We had this rather resilient consumer, this thick inflation, uh, also revisions of all older data points. So 
Um, if we look at this data, there are some technicalities behind the data which might distort some of the signals, but overall we still have to admit probably a bit stronger than anticipated. And yes, this means we have the short end of the curve which moved up because the market expects now higher peak rates and also that they will stay up there for a bit longer. And then also the longer end of the curve moved up given these stronger signals from the economy, from this inflation picture, which in turn also means that the market started to think, well, maybe we don't get any rate cuts that soon after all. Or also in a, you can look at it in a bit more technical terms, the neutral rate might actually be higher. Okay, but does that mean that investors should adjust their fixed income strategy then? Overall, we think the setback in yields gives some attractive entry points again, actually. So to extend duration with quality corporate bonds, uh, we started to recommend gradually increasing duration since November now last year. And with that also locking in some of this yield increase for a longer time horizon. Um, after this roller coaster started, we had in yield so far this year, uh, the levels are again a bit more attractive. Even if rate cuts are not coming already this year, so not so imminent, but early next year, just as the Fed goes then towards a more neutral stance, it makes still sense, at least partially, to already position for that now. And at the same time, the longer we have these financial conditions staying tight, the more risk we also have for a real pickup in default rates later this year. So in other words, we would still be very cautious with taking on too much credit risk in developed markets at this point. All right, I see. But still, the yield curve is heavily inverted. A two-year bond is paying almost 5%, whereas the 10-year US Treasury gives you only 4%. How do you explain investors that they should not just buy very short-term papers? Yes, this is, this is a very valid argument, obviously. But think about it, it is also a, a diversification exercise. So for a long time, when yields were super depressed, the only risk investors had to worry about was actually the duration risk. So when will yields rise? Well, this happened last year. We saw it, huge losses, even in the safest bonds. But now the situation is much more symmetrical. So when you buy a shorter term bond, let's say two years, yes, the yield is higher. But in two years, you need to reinvest the redemption there. And there is still a very good chance that yields might be lower by then. Very interesting. Thank you, Dario. And now moving on to China. Richard, what are your thoughts about the upcoming National People's Congress in China? Sure, thank you. And uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I do want to give a preview uh, of the National People's Congress in China, uh, the NPC. Uh, so most of the Chinese investors are actually waiting for this event to happen to decide whether they want to buy China again or not. Um, obviously, as a background, the Hang Seng Index has rallied 50% over the past three months uh, before the Chinese New Year, uh, and we have uh, pulled back quite significantly since then. Uh, one reason for this is obviously the uh, very significant gain, but also that valuation is not that attractive, uh, also that the positioning is getting a little bit crowded. So uh, whether the National People's Congress is going to deliver positive and favorable news to the market will be very, very important uh, to determine whether the Chinese market can continue to um, 
uh, go on further in this rally. Now, there are three things that the market would be very much focused on when it comes to the National People's Congress. Uh, obviously, the NPC would deliver a lot of uh, uh, things, but uh, there are only three things that the market would focus on. The number one thing is obviously the GDP growth target. Um, we expect that the GDP growth target given by the government would be above 5%, uh, and our economists have a growth forecast of 5.2% in 2023, so that's basically in line with our forecast. Uh, number two, the market would be very much focused on the wordings in terms of the policy direction, whether it would be maintaining the pro-growth stance that it communicated last December in the uh, Central Economic Working Conference would be very important. And we do not think there would be so-called big stimulus package being announced. Uh, we think that just reiterating pro-growth stance would be enough for the market uh, to resume its rally. And that's going to be very carefully watched by investors. And the third thing that the market would be focused on is obviously the leadership transition uh, because uh, Premier and all the um, government officials uh, below uh, the premier level uh, will likely be changed. Um, and we know that the premier is likely uh, to be uh, the number two person uh, in the in the standing committee of the Chinese Communist Party. That one would not be a surprise, but um, investors are still watching who would be the vice premier taking care of the economy. Uh, and then later on, there would be a very comprehensive reshuffling uh, of the financial regulators. Uh, so I think uh, this MPC is special in the sense that uh, there will be a lot of uh, changes in the personnel uh, within the policymakers. So what does that mean for the market? Um, the market clearly, as I mentioned, has been consolidating. And I think there are two things uh, that would uh, allow it to resume the rally. Uh, number one is to see strong data coming in that shows the recovery is indeed on track. Uh, and this morning's uh, very, very strong PMI and uh, much stronger than expected, actually, uh, is one of the reasons why the market is strong uh, today, uh, because it confirms the path of economic recovery. The second thing that the market needs uh, is, as I mentioned, uh, the reaffirmation of the accommodative policy stance uh, from the Chinese government. Uh, and this is why the MPC will be so important. And there also has been rumor over the past few days on the domestic broker side that there may be some policy easing uh, to be announced. Um, we have no ways to confirm this market chatter, uh, but this is what the market is focusing on right now. So what does that bring us to in terms of our view on China? Uh, we had expected uh, the market to resume its rally after the National People's Congress. But of course, uh, with today, uh, that put the timing at a risk of happening earlier uh, than later. But uh, whether it would happen very, very soon uh, or after the uh, National People's Congress, I think uh, investors who are interested in getting exposure to China should focus in uh, should focus on at least three sectors. Uh, number one, internet. Uh, number two, consumption. And number three, high beta financials. So I think those are the sectors and stocks that investors uh, can take a look at uh, if they want to uh, be exposed uh, to this rally that we expect. With that, uh, let me uh, hand it back to you. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much for your insights, Richard. That's all for today's show then. Thanks for tuning in and please join us again tomorrow. Bye for now.
The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective, whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement, or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.